0: Hi, I'm Michael Hutchins from excess Thank you very much for coming backstage with Access All Areas, okay? Hope you have a good time. Well,
1: hello. Welcome to excess access all areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my excess nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in Excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums and oh so much more. Well hello, welcome to Access All
2: Areas episode one fifty two, the podcast that aims to get this band in the Rock Hall of Fame, do it via a podcast with like minded individuals, listeners, compadres, people around the world, and most important, like my, my partner in crime B. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Gotta mix mix it up a little bit today. A bit, mm-hmm. bit of a special one today. Yeah. The, uh, less about us, more about the guests today, which uh I guess will be a nice, refreshing change for those keen. But we will get right into it. How's your next week or fortnight been?
1: I had a lady come in the other day who claims that her best mate is Gary Beers' uncle. Oh, no, Gary Be- Beers is her uncle. And um, whose birthday is it this week?
2: It is. It is. So we are going to dedicate the show to Gary, who turns sixty-six today. Uh, I think during the week there's some photos being posted out on our platforms, and uh, yeah, there's one there. He looked to be like Shannon Knowles' dad. <laughs> there, I thought, you know, a younger version of. But yeah, uh, yeah. Happy birthday, Gary! And uh, you know, we uh, we hope to think this episode finds you, but. Uh, anything else come across your table, B? because I can't wait to get to our guest today, but I, I do like to know what's come across your Yeah,
1: desk. I have got a few things, um, but yeah, um, it's great to see all the different platforms and all the different sites out there doing photos for Gary. Um, I did notice that Kate Sobrana has got a book out too. Did you see that?
2: I did, yes. yes. I think she might have had references to Michael and his charisma or something along those well, lines. That-
1: I said, fantastic, congratulations on the book. And I said, is there anything about In Excess? And she said, you have to wait and see and oh. buy the book. ah, oh, no, it's not fair, is it?
2: Okay, as long as she keeps Scientology out of her book, I'll be happy. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, what else, B? Anything in your last fortnight come across uh, You know, uh, your area of expertise?
1: Um, I know about that, but um, Mila turned 16 at the weekend, um, just gone, and she has now told me that her favourite song is Searching by In Excess, and it's on play. Yeah, so uh, good, good parenting by me.
2: Well, we have, okay, we, we're we very excited, so we can't wait to get into this because I, I think you'd have to be under a rock in the NXS world to realize or not realize that uh, in the last week they have uh, announced the release date and pre-order ability of a brand new book titled Calling All Nations. So this episode's about calling all nations, and we're going to be having a, uh, having a guest author on in a moment's time to talk about that, uh, a gentleman, gentleman by the name of Neil Cosser. I guess, be through our research and things, Neil's been a uh, a big player in, the I guess, initially in the, uh, the band side of things, then he went into radio, then he went into publishing. And he, in the publishing world, has probably taken the world by storm, uh, doing feature books on Bruce Springsteen, uh, The Who... Uh, Simple Minds, The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, you know, many, many sort of bands and things and artists. I think he's up to about 38 now. But it seems like the inaccessible from what we have uh, sensed and found out in our research was his most enjoyable experience. Is that right?
1: He did. He did. Well, he's got a little bit of, well, we're not <laughs> I oh, will not say anything, but we will find out more from him.
2: I think he's enthused to talk about this though, isn't he?
1: He is. And I love an in a Mancunian accent. And this guy is just so <laughs> humble and so fun. So he's got some great stories. So I can't wait to yes. hear more.
2: Well, what we thought we would do today, we're not going to welcome our patrons uh, officially by name, but we will welcome, welcome them in general. But we'd like to do a bit more of a calling all nation welcome to a whole bunch of, uh, well, maybe not just people, but regions where people have been engaging with us on most of our sort of social media platforms, namely Facebook and what's the other one be? Instagram. Instagram, okay. You can tell I'm really okay with that. And I want to do a shout out just generally to the to those who have been on Twitter because my Twitter feed and our Twitter feed, I should say, has been bamboozled. This week, so all the people on Twitter, we want to thank you. But uh, a little bit of a collective B, I'm going to throw to you in a second. And just, just for those that don't know, is that NXS was such a global band. The book's called Calling All Nations. Well, boy, you know, talk about Calling All Nations. People uh, engaging with us. Uh, we're going to throw to you in a sec. We're going to announce all the countries and people around the world who love NXS. So uh, I'll throw that over to you, B
0: to say hello to everybody outside on the highway, let's all say hello to everybody outside, it's about 10,000 people at least.
1: Hello. Well hello to Ab gorgeous friends here who have uh, responded to me on the Calling All Nations post. My response to you. So starting with the USA, we have from Florida, Sherry and Bolt and the Big Boy. From California, we have Ty, Oliver and Roger, New York City, John, Connecticut, Tria, Illinois, Abigail, Michigan, Judy, Indiana, Marion, Las Vegas, Tiana, Pittsburgh, Cheryl, Denver, Donovan, Boston, Christine, Seattle, Dean San Diego, the Alternate Music Hall of Fame, Pennsylvania Mary Ann, Ohio Jilly, from the UK Liverpool, we have John Waterworth Cy Harrison and David Dare, from Blackpool Warren, Uxbridge, Carl Jennings Manchester, Ricky Hutchinson Derby, Vernon David Worcester, Worcestershire, we have Sarah Davis, from Ireland, we have Wayne and Jay Healy, from Germany, we have Beer, Mexico, Mary and Luis. Argentina, we have Denu50 and Belengli, um Alicia. From Brazil, we have Janine and Sandra and Renata. Poland, Anna. Canada, Paul Hopper, Jeremy, Ursula. Chile, Aljandro and Martina. And in Australia, we have Rob from Perth and Adrian from Sydney. Welcome to the podcast, guys. It's a a big hello. bit of a list wasn't it i bet you're happy
2: that you didn't have to read that one out no no big list there and look we thank you and hey listen you want to become a patron uh you know life is about being a member not just a supporter so uh you make more of a difference in life when you're a member uh and a patron than just being a supporter so come on board and and uh, let's meet at the rock and roll hall of fame induction when the band get inducted there
0: (laughs) Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up.
1: And now it's time for Topic of the Week.
2: Thank you, uh, Gladly, for coming on today. It's been a massive week in our little NXS sort of community and world. The Calling All Nations book is is coming together with the release date and – pivotal to its creation and its uh, development is yourself, Neil. So first of all, congratulations. I know you're particularly proud of this, uh, which is your 38th book. Is that right?
3: I think it is our 38th book. No, we're delighted with it. It's been an absolute joy to work on. It's been a year in the making, you know, which is a long time. But just in case your listeners don't know, it's, it's basically a fan We call them fan So it's a book made up of hundreds of stories from fans you know, who saw In Excess, who met In Excess, and just the, the influence and effect that the band had on their lives. It's a joyous read, actually. It's very, very positive. And there's some fantastic stories in there. And I mean, yeah. I've decided, I'm not actually not gonna give anything away because I don't wanna spoil. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, but the surprise people will get, but there's, there's some amazing stories from a couple of girls that won tickets to see In Excess in Texas, uh, on a big MTV competition and how they cheated to win the tickets, but I'm not going to give oh. any more up. And they also won a camper van and spent the weekend with the band. <laughs> we've been so lucky. Uh, I think there's so much love for in excess out there. Um, we've had amazing photographs that people just sent to us, you know, free of charge. Uh, there's an Australian photographer called, I knew I forget her name, Rosanda, and I've forgotten her surname. Yeah, do you know this person? She,
1: I do know Rizanda, Yeah,
3: she is a professional photographer, music photographer, I believe, and she sent us some amazing live shots of the band that she said have never, you know, they've never been published, and she wants people to see them. It's, it's been fantastic, absolutely fantastic experience. I'm so pleased with the book, and we would love to. I guess first of all, just acknowledge your background
2: because. Uh, doing my a uh, little bit of diligence along with B. I mean, music's been a big part of your life, dating back to being in a band and then getting involved in, in radio, then shifting into publishing. Uh, uh, what's music been to you in your life? I guess it's been a, a massive part, hasn't it?
3: It has. I mean, I've been so lucky, Hayden, because uh, music is my passion. I just I just love music. Uh, my dad was actually a guitarist in a band uh, in the jazz band when he came out of the war, Uh, And my dad taught me to play the guitar when I was 10. You know, my elder sister introduced me to the Beatles and the Beach Boys and the Rolling Stones. And I just fell in love with music. I was playing in bands when I was 15. My first job was working in a record shop because I didn't want to do anything else. I either wanted to work in a record shop or a guitar shop. I turned professional when I was, I think I was 20 um, and did that for 10 years. I was in a band called The Cheaters. And we made three albums. Um, We were hugely unsuccessful. We never had a hit record. I love the name. (laughs) The cheating. Yeah, I (laughs) think cheating at cards, not the animal. Uh, We had an absolute brilliant time. Uh, We went all over Europe. We were once um, given an award by Radio One, who were the you know the big radio station in the UK, for being the hardest working band in the country. We played 321 gigs in one year, which is like you know in excess because in excess, played so many gigs. I think they played over 2,300 gigs in quite a short space of time, really. Yeah. You know, when you think like the Rolling Stones or The Who, who've been around for so long, but to play that amount of gigs in such a short space of time is quite amazing. But yes, and then I ended up working in radio um, by mistake. I never wanted to be a DJ. I was sort of behind the scenes uh, picking all the music. I was the head of music at a small radio station in Manchester, did that for a few years, which was great. Used to play all of in excess then as well. Good man. Um, <laughs> um, and then I um I started working in PR. When I was working at the radio station, I would see the the pluggers coming in, you know, with the artists. And I was to think, that's such a cool job to be working with the bands. And you know, it was almost like being back on the road for me. Um so I worked in PR for, we had our own PR company for about 20 years. We worked some great records. The first record we actually promoted was Leanne Rhymes' How Do I Live? which was that a big hit in Australia? Could have been, I know the she was on the
2: Cody ugly soundtrack. Yeah. It was her big hit down here, but she did have some traction. Yeah,
3: well it was massive in the UK, aren't the States? And we also, we did Tom uh, tour, Natalie Umbruglia, which was brilliant because that, you know, massive worldwide hit and I spent a couple of weeks in a car with Natalie driving around. She used to get mobbed every day by school kids because of her fame in Neighbours. And we were re- really lucky. We worked with some amazing people, uh, Def Leopard, Metallica, Glenn Campbell, oh, blimey, the Buscocks, the Charlatans. I really enjoyed doing that. Sorry, I know I'm going no, on. No, no.
2: It seems like a lot of the, the bands and things you grew up with ultimately have also shaped you know, your publishing. You know, you've just collated works with, you know, Dylan and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Bruce Springsteen, some of these particular artists. That must have been uh, full circle for you, being a fan and then being able to you know, highlight their careers through publishing. Yeah, definitely.
3: In fact, this the Bruce Springsteen book was one of the first books we did. And actually, it was a girl from Australia, because when you work on these books, you make new friends, you know, you start talking to people on email and stuff, and occasionally on the phone. And this particular girl, I can't remember her name, she emailed me to say she was so excited she bought tickets to go and see Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. And I said, fantastic, take your book with you and see if you can get a photo with Bruce holding the book, because she did say she was going to get his autograph. So a few weeks later, she sent me a photo going, I got a photo of him with the book, and apparently she'd waited you know backstage as he came out and he was signing lots of stuff for people and she handed him the book and as he was signing it she took the photo but she missed the book because he was obviously you know at waist level signing it and she just took a photo of his face so oh, that's no god you know but anyway it's nice to know that bruce signed a copy of the book anyway As we approached the digital age, I realized that we were radio pluggers, basically. We used to get people on the radio and TV. Things were changing. um, And by accident, I sort of just got involved with a a huge publishing company called Omnibus, who were the biggest book publishers in the world. And we started doing PR for them. Um, And then before I knew it, we seemed to have opened our own publishing company, as in this day Music Books, and here we are talking to you two.
2: Now, dealing with uh, In Excess and the Universal label, was it? Uh, did you work with some other bands that gave you a sort of a, a leg into dealing with In Excess's
3: background people and management? There's a very good friend of mine called Ollie Walsh who works at Universal. Um, I've known Ollie for a long time now. He's always been a fan of what we do, as in the books. And he'd said for a few years, you know, we should really do some, we should be working together. And then just about, I don't know, about 18 months ago, just talking to him. Um, he said, how do you fancy doing a book with InxS? And I went, absolutely. And that was it. Right. So yeah, it's, um, yeah. And you know, Universal have been absolutely amazing. So supportive. They're so excited about the whole project. Um, it's, it's a, it's a massive thing for them. You go big, you go.
1: Can we go back to when you first met In Excess? Certainly.
3: So when I was working in PR, I mentioned some of the bands before. We then had a call saying that In Excess, were coming to the UK this was 2002, I think, uh, this was with, with John Stevens. Uh, they were doing some dates and I think there was a Greatest Hits album out. I think that's what we were promoting. It was the definitive one. I think what might called definitive in excess UK. Yeah. yeah, is that right? And even though I've done this for a long time and I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of, you know, very famous people, I'm always quite apprehensive about, Oh my God, I'm going to meet, you know, it was Andrew and Kirk and John Stevens. We met in Newcastle, I remember, Newcastle um, upon time, which is in the northeast of England, the first radio show. And they were doing acoustic sessions. And they were just, just so lovely, you know, made me feel at home straight away. But it was about a week, maybe two weeks, out on the road doing radio sessions, you know, during the day as they were doing the gigs at night. Um, and I do remember the next day, we were in Nottingham. Uh, and, and I can't remember why, but we arrived too early in the afternoon for the first session. So we went for lunch in this pub and then i think it was kirk that spotted the pool table so we ended up playing pool for a couple of hours and i do remember thinking oh my god i'm playing pool with andrew and kirk from in excess you know (laughs) and they thrashed me well i'm dreadful (laughs) Uh, but but, but that, that was that was that was you know a great thing to do and from that when you're working with people, you you know you, you sort of become friends for a couple of weeks, but quite often you never see people again ever. Or you might end up working with them, you know, a few years down the line. And I do remember as we were sort of parting, you know, we'd done the last session. They both said, "If you're ever in Australia, give us a call." And I thought, well, you know, I've no plans to go to Australia at that point. But the following year, um, we, we've been working with um, Hot Records, who were based in Australia we'd done all the work on the Eva Cassidy records. So I think in the UK, Eva had three number one albums. Oh, yeah. 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 And as that project came to an end after about five years, um, the boss, a guy called Martin Jennings, called myself and Liz, my partner, down to the offices in Brighton to basically say, you know, that's it, end of the project. Um, But he said, as a thank you, have you ever been to Australia? And we went, no. And he said, well, we'd like to treat you to a trip all expenses paid and we're like, we couldn't believe it that's amazing so anyway we booked this trip um and i remember i can't remember the guy's name now i'm afraid but whoever the tour manager was on that NXS tour in 2002 i've kept his number and i gave him a call and said you know you won't believe it but we're going to be in sydney uh in you know whatever it was four weeks time and he said brilliant he said because actually the band are doing a charity gig and it was um a charity gig for Kirk's wife, who she's a, a surfer, I believe, a champion surfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lane Lane Beachley, yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, there was a, a charity gig um on one of the on a venue on one of the piers in Sydney. And the tour manager said, Right, I'll sort you out, you know, names your and Lizzie's names are on the door. Just arrive. I'm not gonna tell the guys you're coming. Just turn up. <laughs> so we did. We arrived about four o'clock in the afternoon, just as we could hear the band sound checking as we walked down the pier. And we just walked in and i remember i can still see andrew now andrew turned around and just stopped playing and the band just sort of ground <laughs> to a halt and they went what are you you know what are you doing here <laughs> and we had such a brilliant afternoon um and like and, the gig was was quite early in the evening i remember but yeah no it was amazing it was I and mean, we had a fantastic trip in australia i just i love the place and we had a great time so and that and that was sort of the icing on the cake to actually you know by coincidence to see the guys play and uh, and and spent an afternoon with them, and evening, was just fantastic. It's so fun.
1: What's this
3: 25 years later you're writing a book with them <laughs> it, it, it is quite strange and, and to, to ghost the book one thing i'm so pleased with is that um in excess such a visual band you know not only the you know the six band members um but all their album sleeves and posters uh there's you know a certain style to it so it's really. Um, it, I think the book has a great feel to it because it's so visual. We've got so many images there of you know all the posters and the album artwork, uh, and of course, lots of photos of fans with the band um, and live shots that we've been given. So yeah, re- I'm really, really pleased with the book.
2: Now, did you get a did you get a brief from uh, management about how to put this together? Was there certainly I, obviously? There's a fan involvement here. Did you come up with that concept, or you were you given a brief by In Access
3: Manager of what they wanted? No, we weren't really. Um, we've published several of these fan anthology type books. Um, we did one with uh, Deacon Blue last year, Jethro Tull, uh, Simple Minds, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. So, you know, it is a model that we use, uh, which is quite simple. Um, we reach out to the fans you know, if you'd like to tell us your story of how you got into the band, uh, if you saw them live, if you met them, any interesting stories. The management and Universal were quite happy just for us to crack on and, and put the whole thing together. And we were just inundated with stories. I mean, we have far too many, you know, obviously we can't fit everyone in. Uh, you know, it's it's a chunky book, the book's over 400 pages. And obviously, you know, you have to edit stories, etc. cetera. Because uh, you know some people were writing in like you know a huge essay, uh, but no, no, it, they, they were quite happy just for us to to use that that model, and and I do think it works really well. And, th- and there are some, as I say, I'm not going to give anything away. There's some amazing stories, and there's some very touching stories as well. You know how the band did touch people's lives um, and certain things that people went through. But um, when it's out, October the third, you can read it for yourself.
1: Definitely the day it's coming out.
3: It is because it went on pre-order worldwide last week. We've had an amazing response, absolutely amazing response. Um, so yes, it will be. Um, it'll be available to read. Yeah, that first week of October.
1: Okay. Well, let's talk about the, There's three different books, isn't there? So there's the actual book. How much is that retailing in UK?
3: Okay, so the hardback book um, is thirty nine. 39- Pounds ninety nine, so forty pounds basically for the hardback book.
1: Forty pounds.
3: I don't know what that is in in Australian dollars. Sorry. I think
1: it worked out to be just over eighty.
3: Right. Yeah. And then there's two other formats. There's a a super deluxe edition, uh, which we've actually never done before with 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 a band, and it's amazing. So it so the book comes in a box. Now let me remember if I can. But list all the all the items, but the, there's two art prints that are numbered because there's only 300 of these boxes being made. So there's two art prints which are numbered, one to 300, which are very collectible. Uh, there's a collection of in excess badges, which we've reproduced. There's an in excess key ring. Um, there's six Polaroid photos of the band from Wembley. There's 11 postcards uh beautifully designed of all the album artwork of the 11 studio albums there's also um because what we've in excesses management have been amazing they've let us dig into the archive Uh, i'm trying to explain this so basically we were given a curtain that used to be used backstage for the band to have a bit of privacy when they were changing so we've cut this piece of curtain professionally not myself into 300 300 pieces and Ah. we've also uh, put on this embroidered in excess logo on it and that comes uh, uh, fixed to a a nice piece of card which explains where the curtain's from so that's really quite special
1: and there's a vinyl
3: oh yeah a seven inch vinyl of an intercutist thank you for reminding me
1: (laughs) that's okay (laughs)
3: there's there's um uh, some fan letters from um, the fan club that we've reproduced.
1: Guitar picks.
3: There's six guitar picks. This is like a TV competition where <laughs> all, the, all the things you' to yeah. come on a conveyor belt and you've got to remember them all.
1: Bruce, Bruce Forsyth.
3: Oh, that's right. I can't think what the show was called.
1: Well I'm after the fluffy toy aren't i <laughs> you,
2: you can tell be you can tell uh, lobbying for one of the super deluxe uh, three hundred editions
1: and the super deluxe would have the authentic autographs as well
3: As indeed uh and there's a story there as well so basically so the super deluxe books uh, are all assigned by the five members and basically in the publishing world they're called tipping sheets so you actually get one of the pieces of paper that will be uh, bound into the book so we sent 300 pieces of paper to los angeles first for um i'm trying i think andrew was in los angeles at the-
1: gary oh that's
3: right it was gary sorry anyway the first the first batch we sent <laughs> got lost oh. never took oh, oh, oh and then Anyway, anyway, so we sent another 300 pages. Uh, so they were then – yeah, you're right. It was Gary in Los Angeles, and then they had to be shipped to Australia. And they went, obviously, to the other four members' homes. Yes. Uh, and I know someone lives in the Outback. I'm not too sure who it is. Yeah. But it took, it took about six weeks for these to circulate. And then, of course, the poor guys had to sign 300, <laughs> and then they would – Ship them on to the next person and then they eventually came back to actually they then went back to Los Angeles and then they were shipped back to us here in England.
1: That's the most work they've done in US. <laughs> Perhaps, <it is.
3: laughs> Perhaps it is. Okay, and I'm still trying to remember everything off the top of my head. There's also um a gigography book which lists every gig in excess ever played, uh, which has never been, wow. you know, published before. No. Uh, which we're really happy about, and that took an awful lot of work to put together as well.
1: Is that in both editions or just in the big edition? That
3: is in both the box editions, yes, the super deal and the special. And there's also um, a kick VIP tour pass with Lanyard so you can hang it around your neck. I don't know if Kirk was helpful on some of the gigs because he's actually
2: written a diary since the late 70s, like every day. Regarding the band, so I'm not sure whether he was have helped to get that information together because between management changes and different things over the over the journey, I just wonder how they would have
3: collated. Yeah, that. Um, all the bands uh, have been really helpful. I mean, all the bands are in the book talking about their story of being in an excess, and they've been, again they've been so supportive. And yes, and Kirk has actually given us some of his diary pages, which are in the book, which are amazing uh-huh. because you know. You're right, he always kept a diary, which is incredible. And I do know that the band and the management, uh, this gigography was, you know, being circulated amongst everyone to double check. Yes. But I also must uh, must just let you know about this. We also, when we first started working on the book and people started sending the stories in, there was one particular guy called um, Andrew Lambie, who um, was very helpful, sent a great story in. And he just happened to say, I'm a huge Excess fan and I'm a collector. I've got loads of Excess memorabilia and maybe I'm the biggest collector in the UK. And if you'd like to come and look at my collection, feel free. So I thought, fantastic. Um, presuming, I mean, we are basically in the middle of, well, the, the north of England. I presumed he would probably live in Birmingham or, or London or maybe Glasgow. He actually lives on the Isle of Mull, which is off the Western Isles of Scotland so i said to him so yeah i'd love to come and see the collection um where do you live he went well the Isle of Mull." so liz and i actually um drove up i think it took eight hours i think and uh, and stayed on the island for three days we took the office scanner which is massive put it in the back of the car and carried it into his house and spent a couple of days with him going through everything he had he's got some amazing stuff so we scatter stuff, we, we photograph stuff, and a lot of that is in the book.
2: He's been very generous with his feedback to us over the journey and interacting and things like that. So it's fantastic you're able to get access to such you know, depth of material. Totally,
3: totally. And what a beautiful place where he lives, just amazing. Um, you know, it's so remote you have to get a ferry to the island. Uh, so, no, we had a great time. He's a lovely, lovely guy. And to go back to the gigography, um, Andrew has compiled his own gigography. So we cross-referenced and he was very helpful on that. And with the band's input as well, we feel like we do have the definitive in excess gigography.
2: Accuracy, field journey, and when you publish, I know it's it's probably Dorothy Dixer question, but I guess you know these are a really important uh, releases for all artists you've worked with. So I guess it, you know real accuracy must be a real um, and research must be a real important thing no, for you. No, it definitely
3: is. Um, you know, when we, we we have a couple of guys on the team that will research stuff because I know both of you would be the same if you're recalling a gig maybe from you know 1986. And where it was and what month it was, it's quite easy to have the year on for starters because, you know, it all becomes a blur. So, yeah, we we triple check every date um, and check that, you know, uh, it's the right venue. And, of course, media. Online now, it's fantastic. There's so much information out there on most bands and artists. So, yes, accuracy is very important to us.
2: And what did you learn about the band that you didn't know or what sort of i guess with all your artists you must have a sort of level of appreciation or emotional investment but there must have been some learnings on the way going oh
3: wow i didn't realize that or or whatever actually loads of things and you're right hayden that happens with every book we do we sort of in the office we go into uh a world of that artist so you know over the year we've been working on this book we've been surrounded by the images, the photographs that people have because some people actually sent the photos to us. We've been constantly listening to In Excess, watching videos. Well, actually, I, I learned quite a few things. I actually didn't realize how huge in excess were for that time around Kick. You know, they they were as big, if not bigger than you 2 Kick was on the album charts worldwide for you know, something about 15, 18 months. Sales were absolutely amazing. And, you know, a, a run of of top ten hits around the world from the album. So that that is one thing. But also it's always just really interesting to um to see how bands evolve, you know, from those very early days. Cause again, we've got some great photos from really early gigs. When you're that young as well, you've no idea you're gonna be famous you're just doing it because you're doing it because you love being in a band and you're writing songs with your mates. You're just grateful that you know 50 people are turning up to see you and and like what you're doing. And in excess, worked so hard. They did. I mean, they did hundreds of gigs in Australia before they ever went to Europe or the States, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yes. You know, so they must have had so much faith in themselves as well. Um, but they were good. They were writing great songs, you know, and and with Michael as the frontman, you know, they just had this, you know, a frontman that's up there with, you know, Mick Jagger and Jim Morrison. Uh, so they had all the ingredients, I think, of being a world-class band, which they achieved. Absolutely.
1: I'm hoping that then this book, when it's published and out there in October, might give um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, a bit of a jolt when it goes out into the public a bit more. So is this going to go online? Well, not online, but be a digital copy to see?
3: Yes, there will, yes. Yes. It'll be available in all, all all formats. Initially, it's only available through inexcess.com. The pre-orders are amazing, actually. I think the two boxes are going to sell out very quickly. But the hardback uh, will end up being in shops around the world, running up to Christmas. And, and ultimately, what we tend to do, and we will... Republish that because the first, I'm trying to remember all the different formats we have here. The first, this first hardback edition is also limited. Um, it's, it's got an, an embossed stamp on it to show that it's a limited edition, first edition hardback. But all, all our books end up being softbacks after a couple of years as well. So
2: there'll be a 300-copy uh, a uh, edition of the super deluxe, I think 1250 of the deluxe. And then a general hardback copy for, you know, I guess, uh, the distribution to a lot of the stores and outlets and online presences, I guess, around the world. With the artwork and sort of the design, uh, I'm sure there's some great people there that, like even the cover and the name and everything there that, you you know, not saying you'd like to thank, but you would probably know their names and acknowledge just their creativity side uh, uh, along with yourself, of course, but uh, is anybody particularly that you would like to give acknowledgement to who have created such a
3: a visible and visceral book cover, you know? Well, there's lots of people, actually. Um, No, I want to say a special thanks to Tim Craw, who's actually designed the boxes and the actual artwork for the front and the back of the book. He's just been absolutely amazing. Um, Tim's in Australia. So it's been quite interesting, actually, working on this book because – talking to the universal team in los angeles and then tim in australia sometimes there'd be a huge like two day gap before you got an answer because if i asked something in uk time late in the afternoon obviously he's you know he was going to bed the person in los angeles was like in the morning so it's it's actually been very well highly amusing so yeah that, that made it extra interesting it's probably like the old days where we used to, to write letters. We didn't have everything in
2: real time. It must be, must be a strange throwback then. <laughs> yes,
3: yes, definitely, yeah, yeah.
2: And with the uh, the book itself, I, I guess, and some of the other artists that you've gone ahead and sort of produced, you said this particular format or, or template's been sort of quite successful. Was there anything distinctive, you know, when you compare this one to the Simple Minds book or,
3: you know, some of the other bands that you mentioned earlier? they're all the same but they're all different in so many ways i think the in Excess book is a lot more visual than uh any other book we've done before as i mentioned before i just think that's because in Excess was such a a visual band and the artwork was so visual for me it is just so lovely to read people's stories and how all these different artists have affected and shaped their lives in a lot of ways you know whether they they had, you know, an In Excess song played at the, you know, on their wedding day, or, uh, you know, they were listening to In Excess when they were giving birth. And and obviously people playing, you know, In Excess songs, and not just In Excess songs, their favourite artist songs, you know, at at funerals. I think it sort of reinforces how important music is in a lot of people's lives.
1: Thank you for letting us um, be part of this as well. So you were just talking about then about um, all the emails. It took quite a few emails just to get you on today as well. I noticed it was a bit of a thread going on back and forth again from Los Angeles to Australia and back to uh, Manchester again. Even before that, people emailing us that we passed over to you. So I think most of those got into the book.
3: There's, There's quite a few people mentioned uh what you two do and i mean something else that is amazing about these books is they're just from all over the world you know uh, and in excess were huge they, in south america um they were one of the first um you know major bands to tour there and do massive gigs and there are some stories in the in the book whether it's you know argentina or brazil uh where it was the first band some of these people ever saw, and you know, and to see such a huge band and go to such a huge gig and experience that, I suppose you know, it's a great memory and probably maybe affects you for the rest of your lives. From all corners of the globe, when we
2: decide to do this podcast together, you know, and we to chronicle our episodes and when they distribute out, we keep an eye on sort of uh, Apple charts and things, and you know, even the other week we we found ourselves number two in Portugal which is, uh, you know, I guess a different language, uh, Portuguese than English, but you're right. We, we, we've we got, you know, I guess as a back on the band's success, you know, their global reach uh, based on where they toured, hence this book, uh, has reflected in where we get listeners from. And, you know, we've had lots of people from Scandinavia through to Asia, through to South America, UK, South Africa, uh, America, obviously. Uh, you know, really sort of tap into our podcast, and I, it sounds like a lot of those uh, destinations have found their way into your book through the fan
3: uh, process. No, they definitely have. I, again, I don't want to give too much away, but there's there's some great stories. I know there's a, a guy in Norway. I've got a feeling that InXS maybe only played Norway once. Um, I could be wrong on that, but he he took some photos. And there's some great stories about people smuggling cameras into gigs because um, even you know in the eighties. Uh, certain venues wouldn't allow cameras yes i think there's there's one person who smuggled a camera in in a box of tissues <laughs> and, oh. <laughs> and had a hole in the back of the box so they could take photos and they turned out mean <laughs> a couple of those in the book
2: i love it everything back then was bulky wasn't it i mean you know i, I remember taking in a uh a little tape recorder thing like the thing that a Juno would would talk into into the x-factor tour in 91 and you know it was, I felt like I was, uh, you know, in an episode of Midnight Express, the movie, trying to smuggle that in. You know,
1: well, I'm glad that there's going to be some great stories there. Over 300 people that uh, submitted to their stories and got in. I know there's some people that didn't get off their backside and didn't get their <laughs> um, stories to you, and they're a little bit fitted they're not in there now because. As a fan and as a podcast as well, I'm pretty chuffed that we're in there um, because this is going to be there forever now, isn't it? And it's it's nice that we're part of the history.
3: Definitely, and no, it is indeed. That that's the thing about a book; it, it's there forever. And you're right. There's there's oh, we always get this. We get emails. Um, and we then get stories in late where people go oh, I've been meaning to do this for months and it's like you've had a year yeah, yeah. You know, but maybe you didn't think about it but, yeah, but of course you have to put an end date on it because you know once the book goes into yes. design and then ends up at the printers um so yeah it's a shame that uh that not not everybody gets in but that's just the way it is unfortunately.
2: I'm sure with publishing and everything you're doing, um, you've probably got different bands or artists or different projects going on at different times, I guess. Is there something else that's in the works at the moment you're working on or anything that uh, uh, recently uh, is coming to fruition? Well, we do,
3: but, but but to be honest, Hayden, we're only a small team, so yeah. we never take on too much work. Um, we're also – we have just started a book with Howard Jones. Oh, lovely. Which we're really excited about. Uh, we, we used to do PR for Howard, so we know Howard very well. Uh, he's a lovely, lovely guy, and he's had, a, he's had an amazing career as well. So, yeah. no, we're, we're, we've just started that. Um, we do have um, several projects lined up for next year, but I'm not going to reveal what any of them are as yet. Well, it sounds like Howard Jones thinks it's going to get better for you
1: i oh, stop it. <laughs> so who would be the ultimate book to be written about?
3: Oh, well, that's a difficult question, but um I'm a huge Tom Petty fan. And I would oh, be- yeah. to do a, a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers book. Uh it was yeah. so sad that he uh he passed away just a few years ago. Very unexpected. Uh I remember going to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers in all oh, Blimey. 1978, maybe, I'd heard American Girl on the radio and uh, they were supporting Nils Lofgren. Right. They were just one of the best bands I ever saw. Absolutely amazing.
2: Yeah, that'd be interesting because you, you would be able to do the Tom Petty stuff, you know, in terms of the Heartbreakers and then his, his solo stuff too, which seemed to run, you know, coexisting yeah. with you know, with the, the band and he had a bit of a, a resurgence in the late 80s, early 90s with his solo stuff too, didn't he?
1: Was he in the trap? Him well, Wilbur, Wilbur, yes, he
3: was in the traveling Wilbur, Yeah, yes, yes, he, he was the young yeah. one in there, wasn't he? I <laughs> think you're probably right. Actually, probably was the youngest. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: What book would you like to see, Hayden?
2: Um, look, I'm just looking down the list here that I've got in front of me. I mean, you've covered Pink Floyd, Rolling Stones, I guess, Bruce Springsteen, Bowie. I mean, you've hit all the big
3: ones out of the park by the sounds of
2: it.
1: Yeah. Have you done Depeche Mode?
3: No we haven't no no we have talked to the bachelor they had uh they were working on a book project when we were talking to them so yeah
2: look i think it it sounds like you know what you choose to work with it probably first comes from a bit of a labor of love and a passion um you know without uh we we, we try to get through an episode without putting nickel back down but i don't know if you'll be pulling out the new nickelback book anytime soon will you uh well you never um, know
3: it's funny because as i say we're only a small team and we have <laughs> constant conversations about you know oh you know it'd be great to work with so and so you know when we put you know listen to music in the office all of a sudden you might go oh now it'd be great to do a book with so and so you just never know but also you know the we're, we're becoming more established as a publisher um every year and you know people approach us all the time we get mm. pitch books all the time we only work with artists that we're fans of actually uh we i can't imagine working on a book if i wasn't a fan of the artist and, yeah. and In Excess fall into that totally, you know, from the very first time I saw them. I think the first time I saw In Excess was on the tube, on the TV, with um, <laughs> the weekly show. Yeah. Um, yes. And I just yes. immediately thought, wow, I just, you know, I love this band.
0: If I
2: And and I guess you would probably speak, you know, on behalf of this a little bit. I mean, England was the last big continent for them to sort of crack it big, and they they did suffer a little bit from that uh, uh, Aussie colloquial convict thing that uh, sometimes we suffer, you know, being Britain's little, little brother, you know. Um, They seemed to have to work extra hard to crack England, um, particularly the press over there like Melody Maker and NME and things like that, but they eventually did conquer it, which was great.
3: Well, they did. And, you know, the press, there's so many artists that, you know, the press weren't on their side. There were so many terrible artists that the press used to rave about. So, you know, it's just it's just people being clever. But you're right, Hayden, because, again, working on the book, uh, that's something I didn't realize. excess did conquer North America first, didn't they? Uh, they yes. worked so hard there. They did so many gigs, uh, you know, at very small venues at first as well. You know it must have been incredibly hard there are um some photos in the book of uh, the guys on their very first visit actually which i think one of the guys must have just taken on a camera uh because there's one in the hotel room and there's um one of michael um with uh twin the t- twin towers in the background yes it was obviously a long time ago but yeah but, but i was surprised actually at how long it did take them to crack uh the uk um, but then, of course, they totally did. You know, you know, ended up with that, you know, incredible show at Wembley, which uh. just, you know, amazing. They were totally at the top of their game and probably the best band in the world at the time. I would say. One of the
2: things that you know, Gary, if uh, B, you probably remember this. You know, he 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 gave a really good personal account when we interviewed him early in the year about. The uh, the cost of just being an Australian band having to go overseas, and you know, and obviously their contemporaries like say Queen, oh not Queen, u uh, two I should say, and R.E.M., because though both those bands were based either in the U.K., Ireland, and slash America, their costs, you know, base of you know probably three concerts in, they're in they're in the the black. excess would probably have to play 40 gigs to be in the black, um, in terms of equipment and you know exporting everything overseas and just being on the road and everything there. And um, I think they for our Uh, fans and – sorry, the band's fans and listeners is that their perseverance in playing so many thousands of gigs, that's how they got noticed. They just wore them down and 60 Minutes in 82 did a piece on them as they embarked on going to America, and then they did a piece in 1991 having conquered America. So you saw them in vans in 82, you saw them have their own plane in 91, you know. Um, It is amazing. I guess those – You'd see that in the book, I assume, without giving too much away, just the growth and the size of venues that you
3: probably have chronicled in your in your book. Totally, because they were, and it must have been incredibly hard work. And it's you know it shows their commitment. It's why they became a you know one of the biggest fans in the world because um, they were playing tiny venues in 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 the states and. I I can't remember whether it's in the book or not, but I do know we had a couple of photographs of the in van that they were traveling in, uh, which was just like a, you know, like a, probably an eight seater transit type <laughs> van. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
3: And that must have been miserable when you think about it, just <laughs> doing a gig, staying in some probably grossy hotel, oh. getting up in the morning early. Because you, you're talking big distances in the states, aren't you? From town yeah. to town and city to city. Yeah. And travelling all day, sound checking, doing the gig, but pulling out of the bag every time. Yeah. You know, I think people probably forget it is re- it's a proper job. It's real I mean, hard work. And you've well, all got no one can let anyone down. You've got to be absolutely perfect when you're playing. No mistakes. Um, but that 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 is what makes a great band, I think, and all those experiences.
2: Well, I think they. Um, you said earlier uh, about how they toured Australia before making it overseas. Well, they played probably a 1,000 gigs here, but touring Australia, I mean, you can think of the size. Maybe you have appreciation from your Queensland all the way down to Sydney, just how big our continent is. Oh, um, totally, they, totally. They had to master Australia first, and then
3: America was slightly
2: easier because there wasn't the big desert in the middle. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's right.
3: Well, well yeah. actually, as the book was evolving, um, we had a meeting with uh, – uh, my brother, actually, Ian, um, is a photographer and he takes a lot of background shots for the books and he came up with an idea of uh, getting a map of Australia and for those first few years putting a pin in every town and city in excess plane. but we couldn't do it because you couldn't fit all the pins in. Yeah. No. Nah. <laughs> There's just too many gigs. Uh, yes. You need a very years. big map. <laughs> We ended up just doing it in a much more simplistic way. And it was the same with the States. We thought, I wonder whether we can do it for the States. But again, there's too many shows and too many pins. So yeah, we had to um, kibosh that
0: idea.
1: Well, this is what this show is all about. Just showing um, how much they work so hard and we just desperately want to get them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
3: Yeah, well, you know, that they should be in that. Um, I, I do read quite a bit about there's, there's plenty of, bands and artists that should be in the rock and roll hall of fame and the are so I, I, I don't know what's going on there what the history is or but it's um yeah some strange things going on
2: well there's a few of our episodes that'll give you a bit of a deep dive <laughs> Sorry on that but um I was going to finish off just by my last couple of questions is uh what uh albums or songs over there the band's journey sort of connect with you uh if you had a Desert Island classic, uh, you know, disc to take away or songs? uh, What what resonate with you over the journey?
3: Well, you know, there's so many actually. I mean, you know, there's so many great songs on kick. And I think one thing that In Excess totally nailed was making great radio records. You know, you hear an In Excess song on the radio, they're normally up-tempo, you know, they're really catchy. Um, you know, from you know, Devil Inside and New Sensation and Suicide Blonde, Mystify, they're all they are they made great radio records. Um, I think probably one of my favorite songs. I I've always loved Suicide Blonde. I just think there's something about that song. Uh, but Never Tear Us Apart, I think is probably my favorite in excess song. And um, I don't know whether you've seen it, but there's an amazing video of um Michael, Andrew, and Kirk. When they appeared on the dual and later show in the UK on the BBC, yes, yeah, where Andrew's playing the piano, to the side, ready for the sax solo, and Michael sat on the piano, and it's pure magic. It's absolutely, I'm getting a shiver down my yeah. spine yeah. thinking about it. It's yeah. just yeah. It's an amazing performance, oh, yeah. and it's such an amazing song. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's something else that I was just going to mention this before in the book. There's quite a few stories where people especially from the states have traveled to europe to the video locations to be there to look at the locations to to go in you know the churches and the graveyards and yeah a lot of people yeah, make that pilgrimage. They
1: make they make a lot of pilgrimages. and um, we had Dave Dwalt come over here for his fiftieth birthday to come and have a look at all the UNESCO sites in Melbourne, and I took him to the Sydney sites. Um, but yeah, Prague is a big um, place that people go to. But we did our own bus tour, didn't we? Had a-
2: We did. We did. Uh, Our second anniversary of the podcast, uh, B and the team behind the scenes organised a, uh, you could call it a uh, venue hopping of uh, NNXS history where there was a a film clip at a certain setting, the school they went to, uh, the house they grew up in, organised a drone doing aerial shots.
3: Uh, It was a lot of fun actually. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it
1: was good fun. Good good
3: day. (laughs) I know there's also um, quite a few people in the book Um, with their stories talk about how it made them go to Australia. They then wanted to actually visit the country. Um, Yes. Yeah, and the culture, which is, you know, I find very interesting. Well, I
2: think the band were very keen to avoid a bit of the the, sort of the the cultural cringy stuff, you know, like Men At Work did with Down Under and things, and they were very proud of being Australian, but they didn't want to sort of play the Australian card because in the mid-'80s, if you remember – we had Crocodile Dundee, you know, we had Men at Work, you know, coming out in the early 80s and things, the the, the yachting team that adopted that song. And Australia was a bit of a, a rage of a place to go to, but it was a bit cultural cringy. some of the stuff that we were known for. And the band were very proud of being Australian, but they wanted to have an international sound and not rely on the, the cultural cliches or tropes.
3: Yeah, well, I think, I think they achieved that because, uh, again, from stories in the book, a lot of people in in North America – didn't realize they were an australian band did they go and hmm. see them live they'd hear them on the radio see them on on mtv um not knowing they were australian and the world was a simpler place
2: then was it you couldn't google it or download it wherever you had to just go see it at a gig and experience it for
3: what it was totally i mean you know it's the for me it's the good old days where you would hear something on the radio or you might see a video and you'd have no idea yeah where, where they were from how many records they'd made? Because you couldn't Google stuff; you had to talk to people and and read about things, and you know, read the, read the music papers. That was the only way. Yes, yes. You know that, that you would. I mean, before MTV you would hear a song on the radio, you'd no idea what the band looked like. <laughs> and then, hopefully, it'd be a nice surprise when you did see a photo. It's like, wow, you know. But um, yes, yeah. Times are very, very different
2: now. Yeah.
1: Right. yeah.
2: Do you have anything else
3: you want to close with from your
2: perspective?
1: Uh, No, I just want to thank you. Thanks for your time today and thanks for uh, publishing this book. Um, I've been doing some um, filing of our episodes and I did find that I was listening to myself talking to Hayden saying, there is a book missing. This is probably going back about 50 episodes ago. There is a book missing of a coffee table book of... In excess, we had Story to Story, which was just a book, and we've got lovely um, books of Michael, but we didn't have a beautiful book of In Excess, and here you are, you've done it. So thank you very, very much. No,
3: we'll, well, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. You know, we are so excited about this book. We can't wait. October is going to be quite special when people, um, you know, actually get their copies.
2: We need to get you down to Australia for a uh, PR publishing tour, you know, and uh, in this post-COVID world, you know, I'm sure a trip down under again
3: wouldn't be uh, lost astray. I would love to come, Hayden, and if you pay for my flights, I'll ah. be there.
1: <laughs> and October the 3rd is the, the day before my actual birthday, so thank you. Oh, wow.
3: <laughs> We knew that.
1: You knew that.
3: We planned that. But
2: I think down here particularly, you know, I mean, it's the home country, origin country, down here, I think hopefully there'll be a really high concentration of sales, given you know the band had have had a
3: longer history here than some of the other international markets. You know, so it's it's going to be quite special, and and you know one great thing about the modern times we we live in with technology is that when the book comes out, people take photos holding it and they put it on their social media pages, and it's fantastic because it's a great a great way of promoting the book. Yeah, yes. because people are excited about it and opening their page where their story is yeah. and stuff. So, yeah, we always really enjoy that, which is fantastic.
2: Well, is anything you need us to drip feed to? I mean, it's uh, – what are we, sitting here mid-June, late June? So we've got really another three and a half months to go. Yeah. Is anything we, we can do along the way? We'll probably promote it nearly every second week on our sort of platform and uh, we're already – Had some nibbles, haven't you, B? People from Argentina and different people wanting to know where they can get it. We
1: sorted that out, actually. Oh, you did? Yeah. Right. right. So um, a a lady in America, one of our patrons, messaged me to say that somebody in Argentina was trying to buy it and they couldn't use their PayPal, and they sorted it out within an hour and they got it.
3: Oh, wow. She wasn't called Laura, was she? Can you remember?
1: I don't know the Argentinian. Oh, Laurel. Laurel Yes
3: it was because I, I actually had an email from someone that was struggling and yeah I think I was instrumental in
0: it ah.
1: Laurel's one of our patrons we've got a hundred patrons now which is amazing and she's oh, one know, that's right. very yeah she's she, she posts a lot she just absolutely adores Michael yeah and very helpful. Yeah
3: yeah well i think you know that's kind of you to to ask if there's anything you can do hayden i think really we'll just i mean i can keep you in the loop and let you know how things are going because we do know that the super deluxe edition will sell out very quickly um and then i suppose you know the um the deluxe the, the super edition will as well um so we'll have to see how I keep in in the loop with, with sales just in case there's people that You know, we don't expect everyone to pre order it, but there'll be people that will want one of the boxes. Um, So we want to make people aware of if there's, you know, how fast the copies are going, because that'll be it once they've gone. That's it. Yeah, 100%. Thank you for coming on. You've probably got a a full day ahead. Uh, I'm about to
2: turn the cricket on in a minute and see if we can. uh uh, get over, get <laughs> over the line. They're playing in <laughs> Birmingham, B in Edgbaston. Oh,
1: man, they're in 174 oh. to
2: win. I don't know if it's raining
3: there today. Apparently, it could be, given your forecast,
1: Neil. I did,
2: I
3: did see, I see it on the news, and um, the covers are on because it is raining there, but they do think it's going to be clear by this afternoon. No other than, but thank you both very much for all your help and having me on your podcast. And Because I, I know I've waffled on. I take it you do lots
2: of editing, do you? I do do, do, do and lots of
1: editing. <laughs> we we <laughs>
2: We, we love we love waffle. That's how we've been able to go this long.
0: Great All right. stuff. All
3: right. Well, I'm sh- I'll know I'll be speaking to you again anyway, and yep. we'll keep you in the loop with what, what's going on. Yeah, and thank you on behalf of uh,
2: you know, uh, I guess us as fans. So we've got finally something that really I uh, think I can't wait to read. I'm glad you haven't revealed it because sometimes, like a movie, if you go through the preview too
3: much, <laughs> <laughs> there are some there are some amazing some great so stories. So funny, some of them. Yeah.
1: I oh, can't yeah. wait to read it I really can't well I can't wait to see it and especially you're coming in the box as well I'm more excited to learn about oh, no. the topics
3: yeah I know no great stuff well I'd better crack okay. on because he's used to start my yes. to do some work well thank but you look, Neil for coming on thank you very much well, thank you lovely to you know meet you both in person now properly and we'll be speaking again yes. I'm sure and thank you very much for all, all your right Well, thank you
0: Bye. See you,
3: now. Bye. Hey, this is Paul Jolly from Sydney,
2: and this is The Big Rat. Well, that's a wrap. That was pretty exciting. I think uh, we get a little bit extra juiced up when we have one of those big feature interviews. There, one thing was interesting. He did sort of, you know, say to us that it probably really is an internal purchase at the moment through the NXS label and and the website. If you are around the globe uh, in different regions, there are three links be where you can order this. I guess to remind uh, those uh, at the moment because it is on a pre-order situation currently.
1: That's right. So you have to pre-order those, and then they'll be coming out on October the third. So make sure you um, hit the right link because otherwise you'll be overpaying on your postage. So you've got um for the UK, for Australia, and for the rest of the world. And um, if you are having any problems, just contact Neil via the um This Day in Music email. Um, you'll find that also um in the links there. What did you get out of that though? I love I loved uh, oh. I love the fact that he knows <laughs> them. It just makes it even more of a dimension, doesn't it? It's just it's lovely that mates are helping mates again.
2: Well I think um you know, a bit like some of the producers who work with the band and different sort of engineers, it sort of helps that they don't just sort of, you know, do it cookie-cutter style, turn up, it's a job or whatever. It seems like everyone we've spoken to feel like the band are just lovely guys yeah. and, uh, and talented of what they do, which, you know, we're biased, but, you know, um, these people who we interview are biased and I think there's that common thread that seems to come across. So, mm. um, yeah, very giving interviewee and – um we can't wait to help hopefully drum up some sales activity. There will be that fan activity engagement process where we'll get fan of the week and get you to read out, hopefully from the book, because it sounds like a lot of our patrons are in the book, Be
1: Yes, a lot of patrons have got in there with 300 um, submissions, so that'll be awesome yeah. read. I can't wait to see everyone's um Yes. Well, I- even people we don't know will be interested in uh, Rosanna's photographs. Oh, it's so amazing that she's got those photographs be, out you, at last.
2: Be very, you would be very, very aware of this, but I had no idea that you submitted a photo or anything like that for us to be in the book. You were like, are you going to get yours? Hey, no, 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 let everyone else get it in. But uh, thank you for getting us in there. It was a nice little touch on your behalf.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're at the back, but that's okay. Beth,
2: that's all right. Looky
1: last. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's all right. You know, in relation to this particular book, there will be sort of more to talk about over time, but uh, it's great that uh, this is sort of coming to, to life now.
1: Yes, because we're speaking with management, so we're hoping to get something for you, you all yes. out there. So just keep listening in over the next couple of weeks.
2: Now I know those who who love our little news section. We're going to hold back for about a week on that because uh, I guess you've been uh, listening uh, so far for nearly seventy minutes. So we're going to probably go through a deep dive in the news next week. But we would like to check off some birthdays. Uh, we did mention from the outset of the episode today it is Gary Beer's birthday on June twenty second. Uh, big shout out to my little boy. His birthday tomorrow. Uh-huh. He he turns eleven tomorrow. So uh-huh. hello, Will. You know uh, your birthday tomorrow. Uh, but on a uh, more official note, uh, these people had birthdays. Days in the last week or two since we recorded B. Uh Paul McCartney, 81. He did. I remember when he was in his fifties and it was like, well, imagine when he hit 64, like the song.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, so looks amazing 81.
1: for 81. I know, I know he there's does. a bit of plastic surgery going on there, well, but he's still had a little bit of screwed. work done. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, a little bit of time in LA, I think, for for Paul. Uh Lionel Richie, another one who's had a bit of work done in uh there as well, 74. Uh Kim Deal from the Pixies, or formerly from Pixie's, 62. Brandon Flowers from uh uh The Killers 42 we have Brian Wilson the great Brian Wilson from uh, the Beach Boys 81 isn't that interesting same same age as Paul McCartney same month yeah uh almost the same week uh Todd Rundgren uh recent Hall of Fame inductee uh 75 uh and also here's a few people who have passed away B I'd like to sort of acknowledge uh Harry Nilsson uh 82 would have been uh Curtis Mayfield uh, 81 Prince Lovely Prince, 65. And uh Cole Porter. Now you remember Cole Porter, uh, in terms of his historical music, uh, still resonates to this day. He would have been 132, but uh, really famous in the in the 30s, that there, is, but yeah. uh yeah, it would have been 132. And also, a quick little acknowledgement: 19th anniversary passing of uh, Ray Charles, uh, who has a direct link to the band was a great artist too. late for you, Mr. Charles, as uh, the band would say. <laughs>
0: All oh. oh. oh.
2: Big show, obviously. Again, uh, there's only one song we can go out with today, really, that that is aptly described based upon the episode itself. Now, can I throw it to you and get you to guess what it is?
1: It is the Kids on the Bridge version of Calling All Nations.
2: Now, I don't even know what Kids on the Bridge version is, but oh, I'll back you in on it. Oh, it? You don't know one? Well,
1: no, my fame. No? Okay.
2: Well, it's got to be Calling All Nations, given the book and given the nature of our show and our theme today. So, if it is Kids on the Bridge version, I'm keen to hear it. I haven't heard it. Um, but uh, uh, I thank everybody for jumping on board. Thank you, B, for editing as you do. Uh, it's a
1: goodbye from B. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye. <laughs>
0: despair Take the change from your mind Take the change from your feet And do the sex dance Cause it's necessary You don't have to be rich Or well, you don't have to be famous You just have A little bit of patience Jump into your car Or take a cab, train or boat The only thing that matters Is that you got to really go So come on down! News. Excuse me, but I think what I'm seeing is true Well, you got to spend some time and devoted to, to you Down. Yeah.
1: And you've been listening to In Access, Access All Areas with Hayden and B.